Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.cornerstonechurch.org. Now, please enjoy this week's sermon from Senior Pastor Tim Goodman. Thank you for listening. see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> well, good morning and hello. My name is Tim. I get to be the pastor here at Cornerstone. So glad that you're here today to worship our God with us in person or online or later during the week through our audio podcast or the, uh, the worship service video that's online. So, so glad to be with you. Um, I just want to share with you a confession. Uh, you know that I'm originally, well, just recently moved from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, and my family and I are all in here in Westchester and Cincinnati, so we have made the transition from Steeler fan to Cincinnati Bengals fan. Yeah. Wait a minute, though. So after soccer with our kids Sunday afternoon, we got back and we turned on the game and we're going to watch the Bengals versus the Browns. And let me just tell you, the Bengals are making it really hard for us to be fans. I'm just saying to you, uh, anybody, anybody? The Steelers were terrible too, right? The Steelers were terrible too. I get it. So at this moment, I'm going to invite you to stand and maybe because of that, because of how poorly the Bengals played on Sunday, maybe you need comfort. So just when you greet someone, say, you know what, I need an air hug, or I need a there, there, or maybe you're just actually excited about that. Just be nice to each other, rejoice with each other, and mourn with each other in these moments. Say hi to each other, please. Will you stand up and say hi? Last week, we talked about part of our identity before God is that we are fallen before God. We're fallen before God because of our sin, and we're in desperate need of liberation or rescue. And sin in our life is actually this power that not only can arrest us, but hold us back from all that God has for us, even the point of dividing us internally, this war almost of what we long to be and who we're not, and what we long to be for God and who we're not, and who can rescue us it says in Romans chapter 7, from this body of death, Jesus Christ our Lord can. Sometimes we think of sin as though it's like this sickness or this uh, thing that we need therapy for, and all we need is just comfort and consolation, and we may, maybe we need a plan of care, and eventually that sickness will be cured on its own. And I think we can find that in the Scriptures, that sin in our life can be a sickness. But in Romans chapter 7, it's also a power that can govern our lives. Yet, sin might be great, but Jesus Christ in us is greater. 
And you might have thought, getting to this part of the sermon series, that it's just going to get better. Part of that last week was bad news. You ever had that conversation with someone, do you want the bad news first or the good news first? And we often say, give me the bad news so we can get on to the good news, or at least I do. But here in this passage of Scripture, what we actually encounter, and this is very difficult for us, is that it actually gets worse. Our situation is worse than that before God. And apart from God, our situation is worse. We find this in Ephesians chapter 2. So you can turn to this if you'd like in your hardback Bible or your phone or look at the screens behind me. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to hear some things that Paul says to us in the Scriptures So before we get there, God longs to save us. So let's make that very clear. God longs to save us from sin and from our death in sin. And so in terms of what God has accomplished for us in Christ, the first part is this, you could say, is that God has saved us from things, from sin and from death and more, we'll find out. But salvation doesn't stop there. Salvation also includes what God has saved us for, which we'll find out more in this passage in Ephesians chapter 2. But God longs to save us from death because of sin. And so here it is in the first couple of verses of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature objects of wrath or deserving of wrath. You can go back. I'm not there yet. So here is what the Scriptures present to us in terms of who we are, that because of sin, we not only are sick, we're not only held down by sin, but in the terms of what, how God sees us, it says because of sin, we are dead before God, that we're walking around as though dead men or dead women in the eyes of God. And that's far worse of a situation than what we might be comfortable with even talking about. And there is certainly, I know this in my own life, how I, like I shared last week, have this great ability to rationalize everything and explain away everything and even to soften what the Scriptures might say about me. But here it is. This might be difficult to hear, but sin in our life before God isn't just a sickness, it isn't just a power that can divide us and keep us from God, it's actually our death sentence. That before God, we stand already dead in a way. And we might have encountered this in terms of medical situations where we have friends or loved ones who we didn't even know are actually walking around almost dead already because of this diagnosis that was not diagnosed, this sickness, this disease that wasn't diagnosed. I have a friend who, man, it broke my heart when it happened. He got sick, young guy, a couple years ago, kids, wife, he got really sick. It seemed as though it was going to be okay. And then two years later, what happened two years prior actually killed him. 
because there was an infection in his body that no one saw. He didn't know about either. And two years later, he was not only septic, within minutes of arriving the hospital, he was dead. And in a way, that's our situation almost. That we might not know it, but we're actually walking around before God and others as a person who is spiritually dead before God. And we don't even know it yet. That's hard to hear. And we often, even in the church, want to talk about it in different ways. We want to rationalize it. We want to therapize it. We want to like make it therapeutic. We want to make it all about psychology and our background and our nature and our upbringing and our situation, lack of education, lack of opportunity. And yet the scriptures are very clear about this, that before God, we are spiritually dead because of sin. And in this passage, like all the other passages of Scripture, there isn't this moment where we get to say or blame God for our situation. This is just not how it works in the Scriptures. I do that sometimes. I blame God for my situation or my inadequacies or my brokenness or the sin that plays out in my life. But in the Scriptures, it's ultimately, well, we stand responsible before God for, for our situation. But there's hope. The gospel of Jesus not only can forgive us of our sins, but the gospel of Jesus, the kindness of God toward us, can begin to change us from the inside out. Did you hear it in the passage? It says this, we were once this way. We were once like those in the world, gratifying our sinful nature, gratifying sinful desires. We were once this way. But because of God and His great mercy towards us, as we placed our faith in Christ, God begins not only to forgive us of our sin, God also begins to change our desires from the inside out. That's actually possible by the grace of God, the gift of God in our life. We don't have to earn it or deserve it. That He can begin to change us, it says. We were once this way, and now we're not. This doesn't mean that we don't sin. This doesn't mean if we're Christian or believer that we don't fall. Not at all. It's not like we're perfect. But from beginning to end, God can work in our lives that He begins to change our desires. That we begin to long for God and long to be all that God created us to be and redeemed us to be. We were once this way, and now we're not. I think sometime in my own life, I have sold short the grace of God for myself and for others because I want to be liked or I want them to feel good or I want to feel good. And yet if we're to this place in our life where we believe the grace of God can only be for our comfort, only to make us feel good, only to ratify or to confirm what we always wanted all the time, we have missing something of the grace of God because the grace of God in our life can actually begin to change us from the inside out. We were once this way and now we're not, all because of the kindness and grace of God. And it says this, apart from God's grace, we are objects of wrath. 
I'll just make you even more uncomfortable as we go, right? (laughs) This is even more difficult for me and maybe for you. Does God love us? Yes. Has God created us with worth and dignity? Yes. Does God have a plan for our life? Yes. Is God kind towards us? Yes. Has he proven his love for us in Jesus Christ? Oh, yes and amen. And yet apart from Christ, the scriptures say to us and reveal to us that we're also objects of wrath. What does that mean? Well, it's filling it out, objects of the wrath of God. That's what that is about. It's not anybody's wrath except God's. The only one who can do that is God. We don't have that kind of right or position or place to do that. Not at all. It's not that the wrath comes from internal or internalized wrath, that we don't like ourselves. God doesn't want that for you, by the way, if you don't like yourself. It's not that. It's not psychological. It's not our feelings. It's not because somebody said hurtful things to me. They're like wrath towards me. It's God's wrath that because of sin, I deserve the wrath of God. Now, in the church, we don't even talk about that anymore. I mean, when's the last time you talked about that or considered that? I realized a couple years ago that even as a Christian pastor, and I've been trying to preach, as I continue to try to preach, you're like, yeah, you are trying like 16 years, and I have not once taught this, that God actually has wrath towards us. I didn't like that. And I would spend meeting after meeting with other leaders and pastors, and what we would do is we would try to reimagine what the Scriptures had to say. And we would try to reimagine the gospel of Jesus Christ for today, to make it relevant, to make it significant, to give it meaning, to connect with other people, to to meet people where they're at, to walk with people where they are. And yet, what happened over time is we actually didn't even know what the gospel was anymore. And we set out with good intention trying to reimagine what the gospel is and what the scriptures had to say about ourselves and about God. And we got to the point where we didn't even know what the gospel was anymore. And we had, and myself included, sophisticated ways of explaining away what the scriptures actually said. A couple years ago, I was confronted with this, and at first I tried to explain it away and to justify myself, and then it broke me that I had spent like 16 years almost trying to tell God what the good news is, and spending a lot of time not only interpreting Scripture but entirely turning it on its head and ignoring what the Scriptures had to say. And I was afraid. Not like in an unhealthy way, but man, I was broken. How could I ever do that? And here's what it says that, so what is wrath? 
So wrath, we get really weird about this, but wrath is not this, um, this like, hidden nature of God that somehow God is not who God says He is, but He's actually withholding secrets, or He's not who He says He is in the Scriptures, or He doesn't match up who Jesus Christ reveals Him to be. Like somehow God is just playing a get-me game. He's going to get me and, and who He is. He's not kind, really. He's not caring, really. He's, he's almost like this almost bombastic, out-of-control, rage-filled monster who is just waiting to unleash his fury against me, and he can't even control himself, and he erupts with emotion all the time, and you never know if you're safe. You never know what he's going to do or not do, if he's going to say what he's going to say. And we might feel that when we encounter this in the Scriptures. Is that who God is? But in the Scriptures, God's wrath is more God's controlled passionate and steady opposition to sin that will one day be expressed. It's not like God's out of control. It's not like He's an enraged monster who can't be trusted. No, it's just that because of God's great love, He will do and He will not stop and so all that harms his creation and harms those he created is removed. And he will steadily, patiently oppose all that stands in his way and his good rule. It is a steady, controlled, passionate opposition to sin. We encounter this in our own life to varying degrees if we have ever had kids or cared about somebody. So years ago, we moved to a place in, called, in Butler, Pennsylvania, and we uh, got a home, and the backyard had not been cared for for years. And a single family had lived there for a long time. And then uh, the widow lived there for several years on her own, and she did a good job with the house, but eventually she couldn't care for things. And what she did is she turned the backyard into her trash pile and burn pile. Not like just a barrel for burning things, like the entire backyard. I don't know how she did this, but she did. And so the backyard was full of thorns and thistles and broken grass and rusted pieces of metal and burnt cans and burnt debris, burnt wood, burnt pieces of trash. And we had two little kids. And because I love them, I just let them go out there and step on everything and pick up whatever they wanted, right? I, you know? No, I, I mean, actually, that would not be love. I didn't do that. Don't call, like, the police. No, right? That's not love. That's not kindness. That's not compassion. That's, like, carelessness at best if I would have done that. So what did we do? Like, we steadily opposed all of that. In a matter of, like, four months the entire backyard was transformed because in my love, I opposed all of that for my kids. And by the end of it, it was a beautiful backyard. I'm not, I mean, it was okay. I mean, there was grass, right? And there was no more thorns and thistles, and there was no more broken glass and burnt pieces of metal, like, at all. It was a place for them to flourish. In a way, that's what God's wrath is like. Because of God's love, he will steadily, 
patiently, methodically oppose all that is against him and his good rule. And one day that will be expressed fully. Does that make sense? This is hard for us because I remember in my own life when I had to come to this place where I had to surrender to the truth about who I was. Loved by God, gifted, cherished by Him, and yet also I was spiritually dead. And I was living for myself. And I was trying to gratify every desire I had on my own terms. And I didn't deserve anything from God except His opposition. That's the bad news. But that's not all of it. So then it continues on. God longs to save us for a new life in Christ. Salvation is God delivering us from danger, delivering us from the danger of our sin, delivering us from the danger of God's righteous and good opposition, delivering us from our death and separation from Him, and God rescuing us so we might live a new life in Christ, God providing us all His provisions of eternal life here and now and in eternity. And here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 4 to 7. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Have you ever tried to enjoy fireworks at noon? Or how about right after your cup of coffee in the morning? Or at three o'clock in the afternoon? Now, here in Cincinnati area, we have way more sunny days than Pittsburgh. I might have gotten away with it, <laughs> maybe. But here's here's why I bring that up, is because we can only enjoy the magnificence and beauty and power of fireworks when they're set off during the darkest night possible. And so, we have to hear the bad news of how God sees us because of our sin. And when we do, we are in a position like in the middle of the night to see the beauty and power and magnificence of His grace and His love. It is like fireworks going off in the middle of the night. And so if we take away the nature of sin, if we diminish it and say that God 
doesn't care about it, that God won't judge us, that there is no such thing as wrath. God is all love, and God is all love. But if we take away the first part, we will never know the depth of God's love. We'll never know the magnificent of his, magnificence of his kindness towards us. It's as though we are trying to enjoy fireworks during lunchtime. And so here it goes, but in God's great love, he made us alive in Christ Jesus, and he seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? That's weird. Going back earlier, we are dead in our sins, destined for the grave and eternal separation from God. And because of God's great love, as we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are no longer destined for spiritual death. We are destined for eternal life. We, it is good and done, and, and it's over. It's all done. It's all cared for. It is as good as here. We are already seated with Christ in heaven. Our identity has changed. Our destiny has changed. And now we have an inheritance of eternal life. Once dead in our sins, now alive in Christ, seated in the heavenly places. Moving from death to life, not because of anything we've done or earned, not because we deserve it or God owes it to us, because of his great kindness towards us in Christ doing for us we cannot do for ourselves, being for us we cannot be on our own. He saves us. Saves us from the penalty and power of sin and delivers us into God's provisions of eternal life. And we can stand before God forgiven, loved, destined for eternal life. And it's not a place of poverty or a second-class citizen, it's a place of privilege to be seated with him in the heavenly places. It's a place of royalty. You might not know yet who you really are in the eyes of God. You might know that you're broken. You might know that you're sinful. You might know that you feel guilty, that you don't, aren't enough but in Christ, you are more than enough. You are royalty before God. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. And that is who you are. And we don't earn it, we don't deserve it. In a Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God and not by works so that no one can boast. There's a number two, by grace, because earlier it talked about this again. Great, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved through faith in Christ Jesus. The full gospel is that because of Jesus Christ, we can be saved from our sins and we can be saved from eternal separation from God. Not because we've done anything or deserve it, because God has done all that is needed in Christ to save us. 
This is a gift of God to us so that no one may boast before God. Remember I was uh, 19 and a half years old and I had prior grown up in the church largely and I accepted Christ at a really young age as Lord and Savior when I was about nine years old. And then about ten and a half years later, I was wrestling with who I was. And I was wrestling with who God is. And these verses were like fireworks going off inside of me, lighting up the darkness. I remember reading through the scriptures that I was in my off-campus apartment that I shared with my twin sister. And it was that moment in 2004 almost where I couldn't do anything except continue to turn away from Christ or surrender to him in love. Because he had loved me and given his life for me and all that I wanted, all that I needed was in him, and I couldn't earn it, I couldn't deserve it, I couldn't be forgiven, I, I couldn't make my life work, I couldn't make sense of my life, I couldn't put the pieces together. And these verses were like fireworks. And I had a choice. I had a choice to receive the gift of God by faith, just casting myself on the mercy of God or I can continue to try to make my life work on my own. It is by grace we are saved, by faith in Jesus Christ. This is the gift of God. Not by our own works, but by the works of Jesus Christ, who loved us and given his life for us. And really, in a way, the most fundamental thing about our identity before God and before others is, are we saved or not? That's the most important thing. That's the most fundamental thing about us. And we won't find that on social media. We won't find that through serial relationships. We won't find that through our resume. We won't find that with a new job. We won't find that with more money in our banks. We won't find that with a different, uh, different look, a different set of shoes, a different shirt, a different relationship, a different sense of status, who people say we are, who people say we're not. We won't find it when we try to make ourselves on our own. But it'll be found as a gift from God as we surrender to him in love. God longs to put the pieces together for us. In verse 10 it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Maybe we have spent a long time trying to put the pieces together on our own. We've tried to make ourselves into somebody. We've tried to earn something we try to be somebody and we continue to try to put the pieces together. And yet the good news is 
that in Jesus Christ, we are God's handiwork, His masterpiece. And He has prepared for us a story and life that we can only have as we turn to Him. Not because we've earned it, but because He is good and He longs to make us into someone, His masterpiece. So there was this story in 2021, and I'll end here, of a man who forgot a gift for a birthday party. And he hurriedly went to an antique shop and he purchased a drawing for like $30. And it turns out that this piece of artwork was not worth $30. It was worth several million dollars. Several million. And the thing is, when he purchased that, he thought he was paying a good price for it, maybe getting a steal, but he didn't realize who the artist was. That's the truth about us. We are not cheap pieces of art that somebody hopefully will come by and purchase at a good deal at an antique shop but in the scriptures, we learn that only are we created by God, fallen before God. God longs to save us from danger and for his pleasure and provisions. And our inheritance is way worth more millions of dollars than we'll ever realize. And we are worth more than we can even imagine. Would you pray with me now? And so God, we just pause and We pause, God, and we, uh, we thank you for your kindness. And it blows my mind, God, that we could be objects of your wrath. We could be stuck in sin. And yet, at the same time, your kindness does not end. And you see beyond, beyond it all into the man or woman you created us to be and you long to redeem us to be. So in these moments, would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit that we might know who you are so that by knowing who you are, we might know who we're meant to be. So even now, God, for some of us, maybe we've never turned to you, Jesus. We've never placed our trust in you and allowed you to be all that you want to be for us. So now we just say that we cannot do it on our own. We are sinful. We are broken. We cannot put the pieces together. We can't earn this. We turn to you, Jesus. We want to trust you as our Lord and Savior. Long to know what it means that you have saved us. Long to know what it means that we are your master's pieces, your handiwork. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. We invite you to join us at Cornerstone Church each Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or online. Please visit our website at www.cornerstonechurch.org for more information. Thank you for listening, and we pray that you have a blessed day. Goodbye.